Texas or online, IRLoneStar.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe. And worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony Sheritz Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani. We are two Texas licensed attorneys. We are here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 on 104.5 and 106.1 Conrose FM. And uh, this is a legal show, The Legal Connection. Today, Tony, we're going to be talking about uh, mistakes when buying land. You said that you've had a lot of clients contact you recently, and there's a, an activity like a, you know, some activity going on out in the community that people are. Well, it's not just in the community. It's like all over Texas. Interest rates are really low right now. I mean, mm-hmm. as low as they get, the the housing market is, is booming. It, yeah. The builders are going crazy because mm-hmm. of COVID, a lot of people are staying home and they want larger. Uh, they need a place for their kids to be taught at home. They realize that, you know, home basically is where the heart is. And so the Home Depot, um, you know, just the, the litany of builders that are out there, they're buying land. And so consequently, people are looking to buy land to build their homes or improve or whatever. But right now we're talking about land because I'm getting a lot of calls because we're in Montgomery County mm-hmm. and there's lots of land to be bought. Not as much here as there was, but big chunks of land uh, like they have the Grand Lake Estates you'll see on the... Um, right. But somebody's actually gone in and bought a big chunk of land and already subdivided it, that right. into big chunks of land that they're selling. Mm-hmm. But if you get out into Grimes County and, and out toward the Hill Country, there's still a lot of land that's that's ranch. Right. I mean, it's like big 500, 600-acre tracks. And, you know, I don't know who has the money to buy that kind of thing unless it's cheap enough or you inherit it. But mm-hmm. then you want to know this, this what we're talking about today for selling purposes also. But... um. When uh, I've had people, when you go buy a home, you know, advertising, and you'll get a realtor, hey, look at the MLS, look what I've got for you, it's a great deal, you can afford this, uh, FHA loans, nothing down, you can move in, you know, and then you get yourself in trouble because you're, you don't have enough money to pay your mortgage because you barely, you know, got, got yourself into the, right. the financial situation, and you're hoping for the best, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Many of the homes that they're selling between, say, 250000 and maybe 800000 that seems to be sort of a, a general range of home ownership mm-hmm. in, in the Montgomery County area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you're better off if you just buy land and build it yourself. Why I mean, would you say that? Well, because um, look, who, look how many people are making money when you're buying from the, I guess it's uh, economies of scale with a builder. You can get a tract home, but... Say like that Grand Central Parkway over there right. that is just, you know, they bought it, they developed it, and it's right. just and there's house, a, house, 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 house. They're house. all over Montgomery and County right $500, now. $500,000, Tony, for... For a, basically what's a zero-lot house. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so why wouldn't you go find your land and find, you know, like even Grand... I don't know, I haven't, I haven't priced Grand like Stakes, but let's say it's 5000 an acre and you buy 10 acres. That's $50,000 for 10 acres. Maybe it doesn't have utilities. Maybe it doesn't have... You know, you maybe have to drill your own water wheel, but still, if you do the math, you may be in a better situation and have a lot more freedom. You're not going to be subject to homeowners association rules that cause they haven't been created yet. Right. You, you, you may have a lot more freedom if you just go buy some land and, um, and and build it yourself. And I say build it not, you may not be a contractor, but but hold it for a while and look into it. A lot of people can't afford that because right. they're being baited into Here's what you can afford, the zero dam. We've already got the house ready. You can move in with your little family. Let's go. But if 
I, that's not how America was made. You know, America, people, you know, they came we in. We want space. There was, uh, I guess, a lot of stuff was going on in the 1500s, 1600s, and there was all the exploration. And we've been watching all the Borgias and the Medicis or Medici mm-hmm. or however you pronounce it. We've been looking at, been reading a lot of the history about why there was exploration and, you know, people actually were trying to find a different place to live. And maybe not unlike what a lot of Texans are thinking now with the new administration, because Texas is the only state because we entered our ownership by treaty. Or we entered our as being a, our statehood through treaty. We're the only state in the United States that can um, legally secede. Right. And um, and then Jim was saying, um, you know, my, my beloved uh, Jim mm-hmm. uh, was saying, well, if we did that, we'd, we could be five states, but the five major communities in each section would probably be. A majority Democrat, you'd have the, you know, the San Antonio, the Dallas, the Houston area, Midland, all of those. I'm not sure if Midland's Democrat, but you may end up in the same ball of wax that you were in, you know, if you're not happy with, you know, socialism or <laughs> whatever we're doing and, right. you know, with the administration right now. But um, but that that being said, that still goes back to um, lar- buying large tracts of land. I'm getting a lot of calls on that right now. Mm-hmm. Tom Ball's got large tracts of land, Grimes County, Waller County, and people are saying, hey, I need some help and I need some guidance. And mm-hmm. so that got me looking into it. And the people that are calling me are are very uh, well-educated, um, intelligent, and reasonable. But they, I've taken a lot of for granted from my background because I was a landman for 20 years right. and I was just accustomed to going out searching and 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 uh, making it so that with the due diligence and the financing if my, the guys that I was buying it for didn't need financing they would just buy it outright but make sure everything went properly and smoothly for the closing of large tracts of land it was primary for mineral primarily for minerals but the the, the perk was they got the surface too now mm-hmm. the people I'm helping right now or yeah, they for want. surface yeah. and they're not as interested in minerals but mm-hmm. minerals are important mm-hmm. why are minerals important because minerals have a higher um they have a uh, what is the term i'm looking for they're they have uh the predominant rights mm-hmm. to the surface so mm-hmm. if i own the mineral rights to the land that you are on right now mm-hmm. the, the tract of land that you, you can own, come tear up my lot, surface i could go mm-hmm. i have the right if there's mm-hmm. not another a better reasonable way to uh, mine my minerals, mm-hmm. I have the right to go into your property. Mm-hmm. I own, we are co-owners. Uh, you just happen to own the surface and I own the minerals. And mm-hmm. minerals is not just oil and gas because there's lots and lots of ordinances and statutes, particularly in Conroe and the uh, city of Conroe and Montgomery County saying where you can drill. And, you know, throughout the years, they've made it so you can't be like the Beaumont in the 1900s where there's a derrick in your front yard. Right. But, um, Oil and gas is not uh, gas, natural gas, and oil. They are not the only minerals. There's right. there's coal, there's gold, mm-hmm. there's silver. What mm-hmm. is some other mineral that determined is in our soil that can only be surface mined in your front yard? Mm-hmm. I can go in your front yard and dig your garden up if mm-hmm. I own the minerals. So that's mm-hmm. kind of an important thing to look at, too. Right. Um, but what we're looking at today is the ten, top 10 things you need to look at if you're interested in buying land in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so these are some of the pitfalls. So what uh, what is one of our first... What is the first and most important thing to look at and consider when you're buying land in Texas? Uh, well, I mean, it's not on this list, but for me, it would be location. But okay, that's true. That's uh, true. Well, that's the first thing. But once you've found your location, okay. So let's say you've found your Shangri-La, mm-hmm. or maybe it doesn't even look like what you want. Maybe it's you know it's a desert, but you've had some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before you can do anything with that land, the first thing you need to look at is what? Uh, well, the due diligence. Well, I mean, you have to you have to look at the the records on the land. But um, here it says uh, uh, one of the top the top ten mistake is inadequate due diligence, which is what you're leading into. Right, right. Actually. It is absolutely the m- m- the worst thing that you can do is go into a piece of pr- a property and it just looks beautiful, and then just be so excited about it, like a dress on the the rack that's right. You know, a designer dress that's marked down to like next to nothing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really made of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going to disintegrate after or, or some sugar thing, and it's going to disintegrate after one wear. I don't know. Right. Um, or you get something really cute at like what it used to be. Um, I don't know, 579 or... or uh-huh, 579. Uh, and the clothes were made, not the quality. Cheapy, cheapy. Like Versace. It was a junior. Yeah, junior so, so you, you, that's, that, that you're paying nothing for it, but you're getting a cute one-wear item. Sure. Because once you wash it, it's going to shrink it or, or right. fade or whatever. So inadequate due diligence, due diligence before contract negotiations um, is the most important thing you should do. And... After you look at it, don't still be married to it. Be willing to pass the deal if it doesn't meet the requirements that you have. You may want to use it to put a dry cleaner on it, and there may be something that says you can't put a dry cleaner on this land because that ruins the land with the chemicals and stuff going mm-hmm. on. You may want um, – it may have already – somebody may have already entered into a co-op agreement with a cell phone tower utility, and and they want and they have the right to put that cell phone tower right smack where – in the middle of the property, and that's where you wanted to put your, you know, million-dollar farmhouse that you've envisioned. Mm-hmm. So, so if 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 you haven't done the due diligence, you need to know that you would have bought into a problem. And so, so the first thing you want to do is not spending. The first thing you want to avoid is not spending enough time on the ground to see all or most of the property's attributes, whether they're positive or negative. That's the first thing about your due diligence. You want to walk that property. Sometimes brokers and buyers will do only a drive-by. Uh, to tour like a ranch or land, and um, or either just pass uh, or or they'll they'll pass on the property because of that. But they really need to look at all of it. There may be more to it. Um, mm-hmm. um, if a prime property hits the market, priced well, well below the fair market value, acting quickly makes sense because you don't want to lose the deal. And people lose deals all the time, like yeah. because somebody's watching it, and yeah. you, you want to be that person that jumps in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's rarely the case. These are kind of few and far between. Mm-hmm. By that time, if it's on the market and it hits, and it's actually hit the market for you to make a bid, it's more likely than not that, there, some, that there's something up. There's, there's an underlying contract that's already been made. The parties know each other. So beware of that. But um, uh, uh, there's almost always time to give a property a full look if it's, if it's legitimately available, mm-hmm. and even for larger ranches. Okay, For larger properties and properties with lots of tree cover and are topographical variances, a quick drive-by around the front and easily uh, accessible parts of the ranch is not adequate. Right. It's just not because you don't know what's going on on the inside. Right. Who knows what's going on on the right. inside? Um, you'll likely miss important features or potential problems. Mm-hmm. Large ranches can sit on the market because the listing broker or buyers didn't take the time or effort to explore the entire property. Um, getting to the back area, spending hours on the ground, tromping through brush, woods, down creeks, can result in discovering hidden assets that other prospective buyers miss. These hidden assets include springs, creek branches, waterfalls, scenic vistas, rock formations, home sites, wildlife, none of which are part of the standard tour of marketing. So you really just, the bottom line is you've got to put boots on the ground to get these, look at these properties. Uh, it takes time to explore fully the properties you're interested in. It may pay off with hidden assets, 
ranch at a price similar to ranches without those assets. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't look at it. The problem, a, a lot of these properties people ask me about right now, though, they're not these massive ranches with, you know, with that, that, that are tree covered that you've got to go to uh, Google Earth and look at, which I think is a very, very good thing to do as a landman. Mm-hmm. You want to get on Google Earth Pro. Um, you can get a free um, just for one or two times. It doesn't cost you anything. You can just download it. And you can put a timeline in there. You can go back to, in this area, 1978. And you can you can put the year you want to see what the land looked like from a satellite view. Oh, wow. 78 is really kind of black and white. The technology changed so much right. uh, from 78 to now. Yeah. And it's interesting um, that we were just watching the movie 1984 mm-hmm. in all version. Have you read that book? Mm. Years and years ago. Um well, let me ask station manager Dick if he's paying attention. Have you have you read the book 1984 or watched the movie? I haven't seen the movie. Yes. Okay, so which, the book or the movie? <laughs> but, uh, I've seen both. Okay. Well, there's a, a, read a one. more recent 1984 more movie. We watched the one that was made in 1953. Well, 1954, 1984 was written by George Orwell mm-hmm. in 1949, mm-hmm. a year before his death. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea came from, from his wife. And this is another little piece of trivia, that, which is just dumb. But his name wasn't George Orwell. His name was Eric Blair. Mm-hmm. And um, he had dropped out of school and um, he finally got his a degree I, I don't know his whole history but he wasn't the best student but he was a, a pretty good writer and um, he changed his name to George Orwell which I always get confused with Orson Welles because they mm-hmm. kind of wrote about the same mm-hmm. things you know War of the Worlds and all that stuff okay, let me ask you this maybe <laughs> you would know why do you think he changed he, he chose the name George Orwell rather than as Eric his pen name uh-huh. rather than Eric, Eric Blair, Blair. Uh-huh. George Orwell um, I don't know because it sounds like an old school, classy name like um, Orson Welles, or uh, not Orson Welles, but who's the common law? Oliver Wendell Holmes. It always kind of okay. reminds me of those kinds oh, of names. No, it was really just a kind of a sensible reason. He said he wanted to be before he even started publishing. He wanted to get his books published, and he wanted to write famous books. That was his goal from the like from the time he was in high school. Uh-huh. And um, he said. If you put my books on the shelf, A is going to be too high. Oh, yeah. And Z is okay. Be too low. So I was right in the middle. Right eye level. So he chose R- George Orwell. Well, that was smart. Yeah. That's like people today choose names that starts with the A so that when you're right. Googled, it'll come right up. Right. Or mm-hmm. it used to be in the phone books. Now in Google, right. I think that's kind of thrown that out the window a little bit. But um, he died at 46 of tuberculosis. And he knew he was famous, though. But he was really famous after 1984 in yeah. Animal House because he wrote them uh, based on his experiences in World War II with the Russians and how England was aligned with them he thought was wrong and that's how he made up all the characters so everything he wrote about was based on his take of political activity and putting it into a more of a storyline uh, using the icons of animals and, and Big Brother and all that stuff but anyway I'm, I'm kind of getting off track but he um, uh, 1984 we were talking about the technology if you use um, the Google. Google Earth Pro, mm-hmm. you can actually go back to t- the year 2008, the year 2010, 2012, and you can see what's going on in the area, and you can see when stuff's being cleared, and if there's any creeks, and, um, you know, is there a utility that's been on there that was not, their easements can be placed on, util- I think we talked about this on another show, uh, the uh, Texas Gas Utility, the only gas company in our area, 
had put one of these uh, gas plant stations on one of my clients' property mm -hmm. and didn't ask and didn't tell them. They just mm -hmm. put them on there. Right. They can't do that unless there's an easement mm -hmm. or they've gone. Was there an easement there for them to do that? There was an easement on the survey plat, which we're going to get to. It also, you need to really, really review your survey plat before you, you enter a contract mm -hmm. um, for property. But there was an easement for not, not for that purpose. It was very clearly defined in the actual survey not in the there was no written easement the easement was in the survey that was filed of record at montgomery county but it didn't say that the utility easement wasn't for the purpose of putting in a gas plant um no easement would be for putting in a surface gas plant maybe for gas usage running underneath and mm -hmm. you know but no right. that's not what they did they put an actual gas plant on this property and they built it up and had a big old fence around it and you could smoke cigarettes and maybe you know you, you could explode or you know, if you dug and, and hit a line which is another important thing to do before you dig on your property anywhere no matter where you live in montgomery county because of all the gas lines and things that were you know buried years and years ago you mm -hmm. may not even know about mm -hmm. um you i think the number that you call is um is it 311 do you know the number it's either 611 or 311 i can't remember for, for, it's 311 oh 311 before you dig you call and the city will come out and and give you and let you know that it's okay to dig and you want to do that well i know that 311 is for encro code encroachments and okay, code so violations I knew it was, and there's 911 for one thing and 611 for another and there's all these different 11s but mm -hmm. okay, it's 311 but de definitely before you're digging a pool and your pool contractor should know this but yeah. a lot of people don't know this mm -hmm. maybe you're just digging to put some post in mm -hmm. maybe or you know you're putting up a bird feeder or mm -hmm. or you're doing something on your own right you definitely want to call because you don't want to hit one of these gas lines and in this case this was they put this gas plant just in the middle of this treed area yeah before 2978 was um was made into a road it was a dirt road when my clients their parents had gotten the property and so now it was on a main thoroughfare but they didn't know it was there because they don't live out in the area and this was to provide gas for the the westwood subdivision but everybody their their claim was we can put it there we've got an easement it's here on the plat but the easement ran through everybody's backyard so if that logic held everybody that had a 50-foot easement in their backyard was subject to the gas company coming in and putting a gas plant back there they could just and who would i mean who would expect that 50-foot yeah. easement having a big barbed wire you know um looks like a prison gas plant in your I backyard the pictures so um but and, and we were probably going to win on that except it had been there for just or at least they alleged it had been there for just over 10 years oh, and that's at you can they bad. can so they can adversely possess on mm -hmm. if you don't ask them to get off Before and the um, 10 year and so um there was another um we, we had a different take on it we could have argued a different what was it it was um oh, i can't remember what we argued it was a really really good argument and it stopped them in their tracks but my clients were like, we're not willing to fight the big, you know, 5,000-pound gorilla. We just can't do it, yeah. which was wise and something I suggested strongly. Right. Because we're going to be in litigation for 20 years, and we're all too old to be in litigation for 20 years over, you know, like a, a little 60 by 50-foot um, tract if we can somehow negotiate something. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but the way we knew, there was they, they, they pretty much lied and said that, uh, you know, when they built this thing, the way we knew when it was built was using Google Earth Pro. I was able to see land clearing back just at the 10-year mark. And so we, I don't believe that they actually had met the 10-year um, adverse possession um, time. But 
it was going to be. Then they started providing us with documents that looked like they were doctored, mm-hmm. showing, oh, well, we've got this. Um, we were actually moving dirt, you know, two days before you filed this suit 10 years back or whatever. So, um, so we ended up settling with them. But that's the kind of thing you're looking for mm-hmm. um, is you want to go to Google Earth and look at what's going on above you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's another way of not having to have a drone mm-hmm. <laughs> to look at it. And Google Earth is updated with the satellites they have right now yeah. practically every year. Mm-hmm. So you can just kind of look at it that way. The GIS maps with MCAT are pretty good. But uh, Google Earth Pro, is, they don't give you the timeline. They only give you, they'll go back to like 2014, 15. A lot of times you want to go way back because of oil and gas drilling and that kind of thing. So, so um, just you do want to look at your property and another way to do it, another tool, if you can't actually get on it because you'll be trespassing, uh, perhaps uh, if the, if you are looking at it and you haven't gotten access by the the landowner to look and you're just kind of kicking tires, go to Google Earth Pro. It's really good to do. Um, on the downside, failing to see all parts of the property may result in missing trash dumps. Fences down or in disrepair, signs of trespassing or poaching, misrepresented live water or strong springs, oak wilt, areas of property that are significantly inferior to the guided tour that you were given by your the landowner or the mm-hmm. real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And another other factor is important to the buy price or the past decision before you enter a contract. And um, I'll add that um, I learned this week when I was doing like a Zoom, um, a Zoom CLE that Water rights are really, really important. Right. And um, tell me if you knew this. I did not know this, and I should have known it as a landman. Um, who owns that water on the property on one of these tracks? It's, let's just say it's a, um, you see a gully on your property. And and uh, and then the gully has water in it. Yeah, and it, let's have to say that uh, they said, yeah, yeah. When it fl- when it rains really hard, it floods, and it, it there's a lot of water in it. Who who owns that water? That water. Well, I think it depends on what water district it comes from, doesn't it? Well, or water authority. Yes and no. Who owns the water in San Jacinto River Authority? Who owns the water in Lake Conroe? Well, it depends on where it comes from. That you go to the source. That's um, what I'm saying. Water is uh, almost all water is owned by. Um, it, it's not owned by the landowner because mm-hmm. if it comes in, it's it's um, the water is. And I forgot what the term was. Well, but, Colorado water is the water that's supplying Arizona. They've contracted it all out, and so the people in Colorado are fighting over water that's been the, shipped uh, out. Well, give me. I'll give you an example for Lake Conroe since that's the, that's the example that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Lake Conroe. The, the, if you have. Uh, Lake Conroe water is not owned by it's it's owned by the San Jacinto Water Authority, mm-hmm. and the water was trapped by free flowing water. But because it was mm-hmm. state water and it was trapped, they have an agreement I think with the state. And I don't want to get too deep into the the ownership. But the bottom line is, if you've got uh, if you have a house on Lake Conroe, mm-hmm. um, then the if you want to use the water to irrigate your property with a sprinkler mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. just I mean, who? Why wouldn't you? It's just there for the use. It's mm-hmm. not salt water. You could. Um, you have to get a permit from the San Jacinto Water Authority, and you have to go to the uh, stateoftexas.gov or whatever, and they've got the permits, and you got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You can't just, unless I guess you could have no one knew about it, but you're not supposed to because you don't own the water. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're catching rainwater, or if it's, if it's coming from the sky and you catch it on your land, it's your water. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, the rule of capture. Mm-hmm. If you capture the water, it's yours. Mm-hmm. But if it's flowing from a different stream or off a mountain, it never was yours. It's just mm-hmm. flowing through your land. Mm-hmm. And right. um, which goes to another thing. If you're buying property on a lake, um, if you own property on Lake Conroe, you're um, 
you get a meets and bounds description of your property, just like, you know, here it goes 50 feet out from the street line or whatever it may be, whatever the, the description is in mm-hmm. your survey. Um, the rules of egression in, um, I don't want to say egression, it's, it's, and I can't remember the term, but it's mm-hmm. uh, riparian rights and there's the other side of it. Um, it's it, the river it's, rights and water rights. It, it's the, it's how the, it moves. Yes, if the, if the river shifts or your bio shifts, yeah, it's the, 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 there are rights with regard to what land you own if the river shifts. Right. Do you own the, um, and it goes, they, they, I have it's like the erosion and the impediment or something, how. Right. The so, so in Galveston, they've moves. got beachfront property, mm-hmm. and then there's a hurricane, and now, you know, it's eroded. And so now your, your beachfront property that used to be 100 feet from your house is mm-hmm. now water. So, mm-hmm. do you, do you, did you give up that land? Well, yeah, you, you, I mean, I don't, I don't, your contract would probably say, and there's probably some rules down in Galveston, but, but the, the same uh, logic applies, or the same law, common law, mm-hmm. applies to Lake Conroe. And so if, you're, if the water goes down because they've reduced it for the usage of people to have water rights during a drought, then you've got a lot more land on your property. Exactly. Because you, you're, you, your pier is no longer on in the water. Your pier is on land. And what if it stays that way for years? What if, mm-hmm. And that happens up in, in northern Texas where mm-hmm. you've got this land that is now dried out. It's a dried mm-hmm. riverbed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you own that riverbed? Well, in the case of lakes, you don't because um, there's a – usually I think there's a state statute, but there's also probably going to be the water authority, and, and there's various statutes you have to look at, so you want an attorney to look at it. But the way it works in Lake Conroe and Lake Livingston and there's various other uh, man-made lakes, which is another point of interest. There's only one man-made lake – there's only one natural lake in Texas. Did you know that? There's only one natural lake in Texas. Let me think. Which one would that be? Uh, is, Do you know? Station is, manager note? Okay. Only every other lake is man made. Um, natural lake. Well, I mean, okay. My first guess, being from Dallas, would be Texoma, but I'm nope. I'm going to say over in Austin. Texoma. I thought that is that close to Dallas. Yeah, Texoma is is the lake that shared between Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, I'm thinking uh, there's another one. That's lake. another one that's down south because I remember they did just created it like about 20 years ago, and Joe there were tree Poole. stumps in it. Uh, that's, that's, um, I can't remember. It's Tex something, Tex Arcana or something. Um, but is it in Austin? No, no, it's lake. south of here. Well, uh, south of here, yeah. this natural lake? Uh-huh. I just can't remember. Gosh, but but it's not Texoma. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would never even have known. I thought Lake Livingston was natural. Nope. They create it by damming up the, the Brazos and all these rivers. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, the only one is Lake Cato. Are you and kidding in, me? Uh, close to Dallas. It's, uh, it's, it's, up, it's between here and Dallas. It's in eastern Texas. So it's not south of here. It's north of here. Right. The only natural lake. No, I was talking about the only one I was thinking of. The only natural lake is Lake Cato. Oh. At Cato. Are you kidding no. me? No. And Don Henley wrote a lot of songs about it because it's a beautiful oh natural gosh. lake. But yeah, it's the only one. And all the rest are man-made. And so the same law applies. So that if the lake goes down because they're using it for a river authority or for, for whatever, um, and that's usually why lakes are made because they're used for some purpose purposes of of irrigation like the romans did back you know with their aqueducts and all that stuff but we don't have aqueducts here um i think we have underground um aquifers and that kind of thing but but lake conroe if if it goes down you don't own any more than what your what your description says and if it goes up you know it's kind of scary you lose too. Some. uh you lose some too and remember the, the most recent hurricane harvey everybody and the fights and the lawsuits, you know, going back and forth about releasing land and people's land was ruined. I mean, it's a whole different show. But um, I think they ultimately failed on that. I think they're, they're still in the courts over 
was the uh, I think each subdivision had a different thing depending on whether what the developer knew when they bought it. If the developer mm-hmm. knew that they were in a floodland and they let it and they didn't disclose that, then they had a disclosure issue, and that's how they're they're winning some kind of uh, settlements in these cases. Mm-hmm. But it, there was no um, there was no fault by the San Jacinto River Authority or um, or the, the flooding opening up the the gates because it was for it was a decision that was made by the government, and uh, you know the government is like 1984, the movie. You know uh, they 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 they're powerful and. They will get what they want ultimately, unless you want to fight for the rest of your life, and yeah, nobody and wants to do lose, that. Right? Okay, so um, just little. So if we've done our due diligence, right, mm-hmm. and all these things that we've talked about, mm-hmm. uh, you've said that the next thing is failure to update your or modify your contract right. according to TRC, right? TRC, the the, 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 the trek forms. Um, uh, okay, so you can enter a land contract, and most, I don't say most, many developers have very high-paid attorneys that have their own form contract. I have form contracts for people, too, and I'm not a high-paid attorney, but but uh, when I worked for the different oil companies, and I worked for, you know, very large ones and small ones, each for about 10 years, and um, we had our own form of contract, uh, whether we were doing farm-out agreements or joint ventures or are just purchasing ranch land. We entered into a contract that was, um, I guess, esoteric to what was needed for that for that ranch. And they were out in like Blanco or New Waverly, but they weren't they weren't the standard trek forms. But you can use a standard trek form, right? And standard trek forms are wonderful. And trek stands for Texas Real Estate Commission, uh, or uh, yeah, Texas Real Estate Commission. Right. I was trying to think. I always just say trek. They've got promulgated forms that are put together by attorneys that are that are fill in the blank. And they're available online. They, and they're available online. You just go to Trek if you want to buy tract of land. Mm-hmm. You don't have a, you want to do it on your own, let's say. And that's mm-hmm. it, it's not a bad thing to do if you want to see what things you need to look at first to get a head start. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can fill it in and go forward. And Trek's got all kind of forms available to lay people. It's an amazing um, agency. You can get your to buy your house, to lease, to rent. Um, and it tells you what other addendums or options. And you can just go in. It used to be before the internet, you'd have a real estate agent to get these for you. Right. Now it's interactive. Now they may not be completely interactive if you're not an agent, but I think they are. Mm-hmm. At least not all of them are. But mm-hmm. um but give it a shot. Go there and just take a look at it. So um if you use your trek form or if you have your own form to buy the property, if if you've gone in and and you've made an offer um, and it's been subject to certain things you want. Like I'm making this offer subject to this being a, a, a deer ranch or I want to ranch cattle. And then you find out later um, you can't, you know, there, there's a non-compete next door and you can't have cattle. There. I, don't, I don't know. There's something saying that you can't right. do what you want to do with it. Well, that's a, a pretty standard thing that you would put in a contract. This is the use I want it for. But what if you find out something else about it after you do your due diligence? Don't just say, oh, well, it's over. Go in there and... You'd be willing to pass and ask to amend the contract. More than likely, if you present this to the seller, they're aware of it and they may have disclosed it, or maybe they didn't have to disclose it. There's a lot of things that, that sellers don't have to disclose, hmm. lots of them. Like your, um, your developer uh, doesn't have to disclose a lot of things because they're an exception to the property in the Texas Property Code. Um, a developer doesn't have to, if it's a new property, they don't, there's a lot of things they don't have to disclose. So 
even when you're buying a, a, a subdivision lot, you don't you want to maybe have an attorney look at the contract for you or read it very carefully because um, of these disclosure rules. And a developer can basically get away with murder for a lot of things. The developer may not tell you that um, they don't have mineral rights. And then the mineral owner comes back and wants to dig for something in your front yard yeah, uh, because they don't have to disclose those things. Wow. So um, you want to be really that careful about that. Right. So um, it, it doesn't, but um, it could be that in your your statute or your county, it may there may be an overlying um, ordinance that requires them to disclose it. But and I don't know that for sure. I'm just saying in general, beware because mm-hmm. a lot of things that you expect to be disclosed and they don't have to be disclosed. Mm. I, I I can almost guarantee when there was the flooding, um, when the developer sold this land over there by Attic's Dam and all the people got flooded over there in in um, Kingwood. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just guess that the developer didn't say, oh, by the way, um, uh, this isn't a flood they zone. They can do this, right. Uh, yeah, because they didn't have to. But you, that's why you get um, uh, the seller gets uh, has insurance for something like that, and they can give you offer you a buyback and some other stuff. But, um, but anyway, beware of that. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty because everything is different. Every, everything has got us. There's some special thing that I can't even imagine is going to happen all in every deal. Right. Um, so anyway, the, the bottom line is many buyers and brokers simply fill in the blanks and sign and submit. That goes for a contract that just to buy a home or for land. Mm-hmm. And this could apply to almost any, you know, car sales too. Don't don't just rely upon that. Really look more. This is almost always a mistake and potentially a costly one for any agreement that you enter. Just don't rely upon filling in the forms. Really read it before you sign. Right. Don't be in a hurry. Take it home and read it if you want, if you're un- not understanding it. Well, and you, and aren't you saying that we you there's a part where you need to consider changing the language that if the buyer changes his mind, the seller can force the buyer to, um, uh, to yeah, you purchase look, under you, the terms? You definitely want to look at the terms that are in the truck forms because the truck form allow is, is very pro-seller in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, so you need to make sure that you look at the, the stuff that's not fill in the blank. Because in the truck form, it says that uh, for land, farm and land, that if the, the buyer can't just back out, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. certain reasons they, mm-hmm. they can do that. Um, but if, if they find out that there's not a use and you didn't put that provision in there that you want to use it for, if there's mm-hmm. something that you didn't account for, but now you want to back out, mm-hmm. you may not be able to, and they can get specific performance or penalize you for mm-hmm. having to take it off the market. And what if the market turns mm-hmm. and the, and the, and now interest rates are really high and they can't dump this property and they want specific performance, right. they can go after you and get a judgment. You may not be able to afford the land anymore, but they'll still get a judgment because you made a deal. Right. right? Um, the Trek Farm and Ranch is a standard contract used by the majority of land buyers and sellers. It just is mm-hmm. because there's just so much out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually like the form myself. Uh, certainly, um, a larger track of buyer can have an attorney draft the custom contracts like we were talking about earlier, but sellers and brokers are instantly at ease with the Trek contract because it's been used so much mm-hmm. because they've seen it and they can read it. And it's like, right. okay, other people have used this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Trek contract, while a good form overall, is deficient in several areas, including provisions pertaining to the title, objection, and waiver deadlines. Um, so you want to look at that very specifically on, on what you want to waive and what you don't. Read it carefully. It's, it's, it's clear English. It's not hard to read. Mm-hmm. The closing date, the closing documents, default remedies, seller representation, survey provisions, document production, and some boilerplate items. They're just, you're thinking, oh, well, everyone says it's No, read them because you need to choose the option that's best for you. Mm-hmm. All right, depending on whether you're the buyer or the seller. Um, under the track contract, if the buyer defaults, 
The seller can force the purchase of the property and or seek other remedies provided by law. Liability extends significantly beyond the earnest money contract. That's the most important that thing that you can learn from this show, other than right. what we talked about earlier, that humility is the most important virtue. Mm-hmm. Be humble when don't think you know it all because people don't like that and they're not going to work with you and they're not going to like you very much. Um, even though it kind of works to be strong, it's that's different from humility and pride. Mm-hmm. You, know, act, you know, like saying it's my way or the highway because mm-hmm. it's never your way or the highway in negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you sign a contract, your liability is going to extend beyond that contract in almost every situation. That's right. So be careful what you sign away. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. I, to say, and we've gone over this before in other shows, to say, I didn't understand. They, 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 they're the person that knows because they're the, you know, my agent didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. No, if you sign it, you're bound to it. Don't, don't try to get out of this by saying, I didn't know. That's never going to fly. Mm-mm. Don't sign it unless you know what you're signing. Um, these items, the items that we're discussing above can be easily addressed in an addendum. And if they want to make the purchase and you find out something's wrong, then there's a ton of addendums through Trek. Or you just may want to add something if you don't know how to word it. Uh, if you don't know how to word it legally, go with the addendum because it's already mm-hmm. been worded for you. It's happened mm-hmm. before. Don't recreate the wheel. Um, but uh, the addendums uh, typically can be negotiated by the parties. Uh, but pushback against any changes is rare. Um, usually people will, are willing to negotiate. Most sellers want to work with qualified buyers. Why would they be selling otherwise? Right. Um, they realize, particularly on larger deals, that most of these buyers are sophisticated and will have counsel. But if you don't, then you're a sitting duck. So no kidding. It doesn't cost anything to go take the time to go to the Internet after you take it home and look at it. If they're that much in a hurry to get you to sign something, then it's not a good deal. Mm-hmm. Buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Um, sellers, of course, also benefit from the representation and seller-oriented revisions to the standard Trek contract. Caution. Note to sellers. Certain notices to purchasers beyond those in the Trek contract can be required and expose the seller to liability if not given. So when you use the form, it also builds into a liability to the person that's saying they want to use it because it's telling you you have to do certain things, and those are not fill in the blank. So you need to look at that too. Items that can be covered in an addendum include... Um, wildlife valuations and filings, representations about environment and governmental matters, indemnity for pre-closing claims and liabilities, unrecorded easements or leases, very, very important in Montgomery County, unrecorded easements yeah. include that bayou or that waterway or that mm-hmm. dry bed that didn't exist until it rained really hard and then suddenly you've got a lake that you didn't know existed when you bought the property mm-hmm. and they didn't disclose it to you. That may be an undisclosed easement. Maybe you've got the property that 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 you allow them to dredge so that it could be a, a, a water uh, like, flow area so mm-hmm. that the subdivide the, uh, this, this happened in our own subdivision mm-hmm. way back uh, yonder you know you know 30 years ago 30, 20 30 years ago uh, the developer entered into contract with an adjacent owner and said we need a better drainage and the water flows down but there's a blockage here and there's a natural easement here can we dredge where it's built up no problem entered a contract paid them so there was a contract and it created a natural easement well 15 years later that easement is now all clogged so the question is does the does the subdivision landowner association who's now not necessarily responsible for it or the owner right that's right next to it because now their property floods because that dredged land is now you know full of 
uh, dirt and uh, sediment and, mm-hmm. you know, trash or whatever. Maybe they, they filled it in, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, can they do that? No, they can't because after, I believe, the, the term is, it, it may be 10 years, but I think for easements it might be 15, and I need to look at that, so don't hold me to it. But after a certain period of time, you have an, an easement that has been, that's been created without it being in writing. So that goes back to Google Earth Pro. You want to look to see if um, how long when something was dredged and when it was being used for and if you buy a piece of property and it looks like it's no it's the water is now flowing back into your land but it's been freshly uh, you know it's fresh earth then it could be that you will have to now uh, you that you would negotiate with the seller if you haven't bought it yet but if you've already bought it you may have a, a case if they told you that you can't dredge anymore to go in there legally and say this is an easement and you cannot block a natural waterway or an easement that existed and it won't be a record so you have to kind of look at that too so unrecorded easements or leases are critical because mm-hmm. you may not know about it if they're not recorded right. you got to ask about it and they right. may not disclose it so you want to go kick some tires and talk to the neighbors nothing wrong about doing that mm-hmm. um, details about any mineral or other reservations very very important uh, to go look at the, um, you can go to the Texas Railroad Commission and literally just Google to see if there was ever any oil and gas activity out there and if there mm-hmm. was any units and mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, in the future, it could be that, you know, they find oil and gas, and that's what I did, at all different levels of uh, under the earth. Mm-hmm. So just because they drilled a well, you know, uh, in 1901 that was, uh, you know, let's say, 4,000 feet deep and they unitized it and it's now a dry hull, doesn't mean that some... There, there won't be some fracking or something later where they can go 30,000 feet with our technology and they're going to find far more. Yeah. And you've got the center of that unit mm-hmm. right there on your property. Mm-hmm. So um, you do want to, you might want to check into that. It doesn't happen very often, but out in Montgomery County, it could, especially mm-hmm. with large land tracts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, details on personal property, uh, whether it's going to be excluded or not. Details on, uh, like deer feeders mm-hmm. are a big thing. Um, farm and ranch. Anything's on that land, it's in that contract, whether it be the, the tractor. The tractor could go along with it because it's part of the land. Crops that haven't grown yet, those may not be included in the land. So you need to look at that and consider it. Maybe the person selling it has already got a deal where they've already sold those crops. Yeah, that's And the right. water, too. They may have sold their water rights. Water mm-hmm. rights are, are, are negotiable. If you've got a lake and, and you were the one that, that kept it from the rainwater, it filled on its own. And are you've got a water well, which is another a big issue with, with ranch land. Um, if you've got a big reservoir of water and you're pumping away because all the other water is bad, you're like in a love canal situation, um, your neighbor now wants to drill water, but you're draining their water and you're creating a sinkhole in the land next door. And they say, hey, you created a sinkhole. You need to stop that right now. Well, if it was reasonable where you drilled, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's the rule of capture. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can create a sinkhole. Mm-hmm. If it was reasonable, they mm-hmm. need to drill their own, or they needed to protect themselves by drilling their own. Right. So that's kind of important, too, water rights. Um, and, and looking at the land and seeing if the sink, and looking to see if there's a water pumping next door, if they're going to drain you. Mm-hmm. Um, survey and title commitment requirements, due diligence documents, all of these things. And, you know, I can go on and on. Environmental issues. Um, uh, these are things that you need to look at and consider in the actual contract. Uh, and, and revise it to account for that if you find if something looks amiss. All right. Uh, well, so what what you've got here defining what default is. Are you saying that default must be specifically outlined in the contract? Oh, well, yes. It, well, not necessarily. A lot of times it's not because if something's, you know, contracts have tons of words in there. Yeah. You know, like we've discussed before, I'm a a member of a board and we, we have our council who is like the, the guru of all homeowners associations for, you know, attorneys they have written the book. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we always throw our questions over to them and, um, 
the uh, you know these HOA uh, the 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 covenants. Ours were written 40 years ago, and a lot of them were written 20 years ago. Some of them were written only five years ago. River Oaks was written almost 100 years ago. So the terms have changed, or they haven't been updated, because there wasn't internet 100 years ago. Right. You know, there wasn't a lot of things back then. And so um, default, uh, when you have terms that talk about... uh, 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 let me see. But default, let's just use that as, because that was the, the term you're asking about. Let's say um, if the buyer, let's say the contract says a uh, buyer defaults if they don't do something. Well, um, or it, let's just say it's generic. Um, if buyer defaults, seller, uh, it, it will be, you know, uh, will be able to uh, be covered. Uh, the, the, the buyer has liability. Buyer defaults, buyer liability. Well, what does default mean? Mm-hmm. So you better, that's a really big one. What does default mean? If, yeah. Because that's the first thing that should come to your mind is, well, does defaulting mean that I didn't, I, I didn't fund it? Does defaulting mean I didn't get my survey done? Do, well, that those are defined in the TREC contracts. Mm-hmm. It says that you, and these are the exceptions for you can, when you can back out, whether um, uh, you, you can back out if you couldn't get funding was at no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. You had a certain number of days with an option period, uh, and then if you don't default because it's an option period, you pay for that option period to look at it first, which I love the option options. Mm-hmm. Um, but but default, if you don't define what default is and it's open, definitely look at defining it. But that goes for almost any term. If you don't define um, uh, uh, easement, mm-hmm. uh, we've got easement running through it. Well, what is the easement for? Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't define it, uh, that easement could be for just about anything, no and they kidding. can do anything they want on it. Mm-hmm. So be really careful about these terms that aren't defined. Um, and what is the third big? Um, I, I know we're, uh, we, we, we've got like ten other things, and we will have to have another show on it. But what is the third biggest thing you need to look at when uh, to to a pitfall to avoid when entering a land contract? Uh, failing to review and scrub title. Okay, and what that means is you've got to review the title and that title commitment carefully. One of the most common and critical mistakes that buyers make is neglecting to review the title. Um, one deal is in the, 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 this, the, S, the title company generally you'll work through will give this to you. But if you don't have a title company because it's not going, it's not for sale to your title company, right. then you get a landman to go back to the sovereignty of the soil mm-hmm. when they first did their, uh, the surveys were done, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when Texas became a state, even before that, even when we had te- Mexican land permits, right. you go to that general land office and you find out from the sovereignty board, you get someone to look for that's an expert to do a title run sheet uh, or you're going to be in big trouble because this you you have to go all the way back to the sovereign to the patent and that was the patent that was issued by the state to have actual land title mm-hmm. so um anyway i know that we, we have to start wrapping up right now we've just got a few minutes left but um next week's show is going to be a continuation of the other seven pitfalls and mistakes that you made in entering land contracts right. so it's so important and you make a mistake on this and you can lose so much money oh no kidding tony all right guys we want to thank you for listening we want to remind you that you can download us on google play and itunes tomorrow or you can watch us on facebook live or recording and and we also want you to remember to serve god by serving others and tune in next week because we're going to hit the other seven major pitfalls to land contracts all right have a good week <laughs>